It's just a bunch of witty banter. Goodbye, Papa. Hey, I'm quick. You have a quick. We'll both have a quick. It's just cadals. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number 149. I am one of your hosts, Chase Williams, joined by the blockchain superman, Hunter Dorsett. Blockchain, buddy. We are nothing but blocks in a chain. 0001. Not here today is Max Scott because he has been procrastinating all week and needs to finish a super important project. So we're going to give him the time. To do we literally so. talked about that last week, too. Man, he wasn't bluffing, man. He, he showed up. He's a man showed of his up. word. So, we are rolling with a traditional witty banter cast. Just you and me, Hunter. Like the good old days, as we always say, when it is just the double the double entendre. Sometimes you just gotta go back to the, to the basics, you know? You, yeah. And... I got to be honest, I'm getting extremely jazzed for the upcoming OK Beast versus Witty Banter DBFC throwdown. Mm-hmm. I've been practicing all weekend. I've got some new Frieza combos, some new tech. Where, where's your head out right now, Hunter? I'm feeling pretty good. Like I literally, right before we started, had a three up, three down game. All wins, baby. Let's, dude. And uh, that was the only one I had. So I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Three yeah. for three. Um, what, I'm what feeling you- pretty good because I'm... I feel like I'm finally starting to not be so tense when I'm playing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not so, like, like even Mandy was like, you know, every time you play on a ranked match, you're, like, sitting forward and just a little more, like, clutched up, you right. know? And so I started kind of, like, sitting back, just trying to take it a little more, you know, easy, and that allows me to kind of think clear and punish easy shit that I should be able to punish, you know? Right, yeah. So what's your general game plan right now? Like, how are you finding the success that you're having? Like, is it just looking out for uh, super basic stuff that the people you're playing are doing and then just punishing it? Or do you kind of have a little bit of an offense that you run as well that's opening people up? How what is How's your game looking? Because we haven't played each other in a bit. Yeah, so with... Um, so I haven't really found out the most optimal uh, combos for any of my characters, I'd say I feel pretty solid with my ultimate Gohan or my adult Gohan. Um, I play kind of like a mid, like I I I can play neutral with him for a bit. Um, like I don't, I guess I wouldn't be like super attacking or super defensive. I just try and like play what the person's doing. With Boo, I'm like very offensive. Um, <laughs> just get that big fat belly up there. Mostly just because like he has his um, light. Uh, bread and butter combo is high jab, low kick, and then overhead grab. And that just Jeez. throws people for a fucking loop every time. So yeah. what I'll do is I'll do that. I'll get them, fly them up in the air, do a little combo, finish it off, and then I immediately bum rush them after. And so they're like, oh, shit, he's right here. Oh, and I just right. take them over right there. And then with Cell, it's, I don't know. I guess I'm just... I'm just getting what I can get with Cell. Like, I'm just um, trying to not do anything too stupid. His combos are, like, cool enough to where I can I can make something out of nothing fairly easily. And if somebody tries to do, like, a, a long-range game, I love Cell's uh, special attacks. Like, his uh, down-back special is basically unblockable. So if, as long as you're, if that person keeps doing that shit, you just fucking punish that. So I don't know. Nice. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to feel the game with all of them. 
Cool. Well, we will be uh, putting it all to the test here pretty soon. Uh, it'll be Sunday. This upcoming, the Sunday after this episode post is when we're going to be playing OKB. So we'll have the results for you guys as soon as we know them. Do you, uh, so but, are you coming in with Frieza? What's that? If you're if you're picking your one guy, you're you're going Frieza. I'm going to be playing Frieza. I think Max is bringing Kid Boo and you're you're uh, Gohan. I'm between Gohan and Fat Boo. I, I it's mean, gonna be Boo a is way decision. more stylish and fun. I think I might go boot just because of that. Yeah, He's, exactly. He is fun. <laughs> because, dude, to me, like, half of this game is about being stylish because yeah. all the bread and butter stuff is fairly basic, pretty easy to do, and looks the same. Mm-hmm. And so I get the most enjoyment from the game by trying to do some of the more exotic-looking combos. And at this point, it's like, why wouldn't you do that, you know? They just yeah. stop playing like a dweeb, you know? I've come back from being like having Ultimate Gohan slammed, Cell slammed, and then just put fucking Boo and Sparking Blast and come back yeah. and beating people. <laughs> fucking end it, dude. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, Hunter. Well, let's go ahead and get back to our roots again with a beer review, something that Witty Banter is known for. I see you've got a brew in your hand, so what are you drinking tonight? I am. Um, you know, typically now... Max and I will buy beers by at least one or two of them in twos so we can both have them. Um, Mm -hmm. Since he's not here, I'm just going with something that I just had on hand. And it's a little relevant because we just had the, I think, the 30th annual Art Car Parade in Houston this last weekend. Nice. Which is supposed to be kind of like this big, weird fucking event. And uh, I didn't get to go, but in honor of it, I'm pulling out the St. Arnold Art Car IPA. Now, I'm going to come in biased because this is like one of my favorite ipas chase all right yeah i don't know why but it's just like it's hot it's hoppy and bold and it just gives me what i want in an ipa so i'm just gonna be chugging chugging this guy dude i've got i've got beer in the fridge but i'm not drinking it tonight because hunter i gotta talk to you man i am like really losing my love for beer I feel like I actively avoid beer now because I don't enjoy drinking it anymore. Is it that you don't enjoy drinking it or you enjoy drinking other things more? I think it's both. Like when I drink <laughs> beer, it's just, it always, I always feel like I'm getting weighed down. I always feel like I can just taste the sugary aspect of the alcohol in the sense that like there's natural sugars in beer. Yep. And that like almost makes my mouth sticky no matter what I'm drinking. And yeah, dude, I've been just enjoying like f- margaritas. I'm on a huge margarita kick, Hunter. We're making margaritas margarita all the time. Cake. We're going well, you out do, for margaritas all the time. They're you delicious. Do. <laughs> you live next to that place that you're really jazzed about their margaritas. I know yeah. that. There's an entire mezcal bar. And so, yeah, I, I just. There's anything wrong with that, man. A bunch of people fucking hate beer. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just, it's weird. I feel like I'm betraying the, the roots of my, of my existence with this show and everything to have this change of heart. I mean, you know, we're, we're changing beings. Some say that we're not even beings, that we're just conglomerations of molecules that always change, grow in, go out over time. And I think it's okay if your tastes change and you don't want beer. That being said, I think uh, it's been pretty refreshing to have you reviewing other things. Mm-hmm. And if you move on to other things, I mean, I know Darian's got a whole freaking warehouse underneath your basement. Yeah, out there in California. So if you bring something else to the table, I'm going to be all ears. Right. No, it's been good. I actually went and had a whiskey at a bar recently that someone bought for me. And when they're like, here, try this. It was the first time I took a sip and I was like, oh, I feel like I have a like a ton of touchstones now 
uh, that are relevant in understanding what I have right now. And, and I can like, I, I was able to talk, talk to it way better than I had before. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's definitely one up on me. Cause I would have fucking jack shit to say. <laughs> yeah, this about one that. is hot. This is whiskey. <laughs> Dude, I wanted it's it kind of sucks that Max isn't on the show today because he mentioned that anime Megalobox last week and I watched the first two episodes. I'm going to wait till he comes back before I talk about it. But have you watched that show at all? I did. I think it's going to start being a new every Sunday thing, man. Is that when these Yeah, so when do the new episodes come out? Um I think most of the episodes will come out on Sunday in Japan, mm-hmm. which will end up being Saturday night for us. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, if you're listening to the show next week, I think we're going to do like a Megalobox review of the first few episodes. Um, I'm Fuck excited yeah. to do so. I, I basically, after I watched it the first time, I went through it again and like would just hit pause and scene for scene would just write my notes down and like what I thought. So I'm going to try to get into the nitty gritty of it. I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. But now that I have access to Crunchyroll, I've also got all the episodes of Dragon Ball Super. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, is it only possible to watch Dragon Ball Super in the Japanese dub on Crunchyroll? Yes. Crunchyroll is not known as a dub paradise. It's fucked um, up, dude. Yeah. I mean, you can do like a Funimation pass, mm-hmm. and that'll be like fucking $10, which sucks ass, but yeah. you know, you'll get all the dubs that you need there. Um, but yeah, man, I went through straight Japanese, which is fucking brutal. To go yeah. to, to grow up on English Dragon Ball. That's what Z. I'm saying. Like I, I was playing it, and uh, Darian was mi- with me, and I was switching like the the ink the or the audio settings back and forth, and they didn't change. I looked at, it, I was like, look, if this isn't if this isn't Japanese, like then I don't want to watch it because <laughs> like this show is the English voice cast to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I was even recognizing when I was watching Megalobox, which is also dubbed is when my eyes are, and I don't mind reading subtitles. I read subtitles in plenty of movies and stuff, but when Mm -hmm. my eyes are reading subtitles, I feel like I'm not getting to appreciate the art of the show. And so that was another reason why I watched it twice is like, I was like, all right, Darian, like I'm going to just sort of ask you questions about, about what's happening with the plot, but I'm just going to be kind of taking in the screens and not really reading act, be actively reading the uh, subtitles. (laughs) And I'm wondering if you've ever had that sort of weird, like balance where, you feel like because you're only reading what's on the screen, you don't really get to take in like well, everything that's happening in, unless there's no talking, you know? Yeah, I mean, I do think it, it is definitely a perplexing thing. Um, and I'm not like a super quick reader. I know like like Mandy fucking hates Japanese subtitles because she's like, God, they talk really fucking fast. And like, even if I'm just focused on reading, it's still kind of hard to keep up with what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, there is a there is a definite like pull there. I think whenever I get into the zone of watching Japanese and um and reading the subtitles, it's a good mix of like only catching the most prevalent aspects of the dialogue. You know, like if there's a thing where like there's somebody just going like ha 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 in one frame and saying a monologue or something. Mm-hmm then I can focus on what they're saying and reading it. But if it's like, there's a lot going on, maybe I'll only like check the words every, you know, two or three seconds or so. Right. So I guess it's kind of like a contextual thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, before we get started, one last thing, Hunter, is I've been listening to Jack White's newest album. Mm-hmm. It's the third album that he's put out uh, while he's had his solo career. And it is the weirdest 
biggest departure from his music I've ever seen yet. Wow. And I've listened to it probably like five or six times, and I just like literally don't know what to say about it, man. And like in a bad or a good way? In a way that's like it seems so dense that I just don't have the words to like really describe what's happening, probably because like I just don't understand music at the level I would need to in the, in the sense of like maybe sh- how to describe the structure of the songs then how to describe like the influence of it and then how to understand like the production behind it all. Mm-hmm. And I was watching a few other critics talk about it and one of the guys was like, I actually think that Jack White's biggest fans will be most disappointed with this record because of how different it is. And I was like, oh shit, like he's kind of describing me. Like hmm. when I first listened to it, it is so far away from that just sort of like blues driven guitar rock that I was super disappointed because like, well, that's why I listen to Jack White is for like blues music, modern blues music, right? Mm-hmm. And what you have here is like, you can still certainly feel the blues in it a lot of times, but it is also just, it, it, it brings in like, there's like bongo drums in some of the songs that are like very African feeling, but a lot of it is just extremely produced and, and he uses like a lot of electronic sounds um, and he'll like, he uses like a talk box often and just extremely distort, like distorts his guitar. Um, but the more I listen to it, like it keeps unfolding and opening it up, like opening up. Yeah. And there's like a part of me that says like, I want to, I want to say that it's a really good album from like a songwriting perspective, but it's not even, but it's not exactly something that I want to listen to. You know, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's like the natural conundrum that you have with your favorite bands is like do you want them to keep doing the shit that you fell in love with because like jack white is a fucking genius you know so yeah, like, i agree dude i think so he's for like him a true so for him to like say stagnant and do mostly just kind of bluesy shit you kind of wonder is it like do i want him to just like really deliver on that shit that i fell in love with or do i want him to take the departure even if it's not something that's like something that I identify with him as. And so yeah, at least it's like good enough to where it's still unfolding. And probably it's one of those things where the more you listen to it, the more you're going to fucking like it, you know? Yeah. And it, it seems to be like a, a music fans kind of album where like all of the nitty gritty critics that I've read who like review albums day in and day out, they all fucking love it. Right. Yeah. And then like for me, who, who just sort of has like the passing taste of Jack White, I'm very confused by it all, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. What's man, this white should... chocolate? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, you should, you should check it out. I'm going to see him in August, I believe. I have tickets to see Jack White. So I'm also, I'm also excited to see what the, sound, the songs sound like live because he brings such an experience to his live concerts that hmm. the songs will definitely have like a new dimension. But That'd that is cool. enough catching up. Let's go ahead and bounce over to what is most important. This is witty banter. Alright, Hunter. You're the blockchain extraordinaire, the blockchain superman, as oh, I you. introduced you. And my uh, interest in blockchain continues to grow as I learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Questions continue to arise. So I was hoping we could talk about blockchain technology today. Um, I would love to. Max is away because every time we do, he just, you can see him over there. He's bored. His eyes are <laughs> on the back of his <laughs> head. Glazed over. Just get it over with nerds. Um, so 
I wanted to first start with, you know, I think it's even become a little cliche at this point to say things like, is it too late to get into cryptocurrency? And all the answers I hear now are decidedly no. Mm -hmm. And the reasons that they give is because they say that as more use cases for the technology arise, it will continue to grow in value because it'll essentially be integrating like new markets into its uh, influence. Is that sort of correct? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a variety of reasons why it's no, but mostly just because the technology is still at its infancy. I mean, it's been around for a decade, but people only really have started really learning what it is within the past year or two. Yeah. And so for people to start going from like the intrigue of it to like understanding it and then implementing it, in their lives and like in their, in their futures and their careers and their um, like business propositions and shit. Yeah. The network effect is going to be pretty wild. I think over the next like 10 to 15 years. So when you hear, or when, when describing use cases as like uh, creating the next boon and value of these cryptocurrencies, can you explain or maybe even give, give an example of what a use case is and maybe one that uh, came to fruition and caused a recent boom just so people kind of understand what that means? Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's pretty abstract right now because currency was like naturally the first use case uh, that came about. And without having, it's like, we don't know what we don't know, right? Like, if there's not a shit ton of use cases already, we can't be like, well, these are all the crazy things that we can do. Um, yeah. One, I mean, whenever I first started learning about it, um, I was listening to, like, TED Talks and stuff. Um, so one thing that's really, I'm sure it's it's people that are listening that have seen any sort of commercial at any time lately, uh, IBM is doing a shit ton of advertising on IBM blockchain and they're integrating it into like supply chain management. So Yeah, and I saw another news headline talking about how Samsung is doing the same thing. They want to convert all of their uh like ledgers for uh their global supply chain into blockchain technology. And that's sort of a question I have for you is I think most people think blockchain, they think of currency. And you just said currency is only one use case for blockchain technology. So how do those two things sort of become separated? I mean, I think it can get pretty gray sometimes because I guess because Bitcoin Bitcoin and blockchain were developed in the same stroke by Satoshi Nakamoto. So like there was no blockchain without Bitcoin and there was no Bitcoin without blockchain. Um, but now as, as there, it's starting to mature as an idea and as a technology a little bit, um, I think you just start realizing that, you know, Bitcoin and all these other currencies are things that you use to pay for or obtain something. And you do that on the blockchain in order to verify and, and validate that transaction. But there's all sorts of other things that you can do that isn't, um, it's not transactional in the sense that I'm transacting value. You can also transact or exchange like Inventory. information. Yeah. Right. Information. So like, so for supply chain management, like the, the constant, um, 
analogy or anecdote that's used is like you have say let's say we're going coffee right you have some snob who wants his uh, 6,000 feet above sea level Kenyan fucking African dried coffee or whatever. Right. And Oh, hi. He can, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and using the blockchain, um, you can use like put a, either a, a barcode or an RFID tag and you can trace this batch or the sat- satchel or whatever the fuck of coffee beans from place to place on its journey all the way to the fucking coffee shop that you buy it. And so if if you're like, hey, are these beans fucking real? They could like show you the transaction history and be like, yeah, it came from this fucking tree. You know? <laughs> like yeah. it'll show you we every scan the tree. That's how <laughs> deep this shit's got. It'll go everywhere and, and and like you can also ask like, well, why can't you do that with just normal shit? Well, you can, but I think it's like when it's when you start adding in the complexities of the logistics that you have to be able to um, use in order, like so if you have like a big multinational fucking company, you have fucking ships going this way and that way, and you got all sorts of crazy stuff and people handing shit off, and you like if if you know if you're doing it in the normal system, like if you were just going to put it in a barcode and hope it gets uploaded into your centralized system. There's not really any way that, like, at any point in time, you can be like, oh, it's right here. Because it's just too complex and there's too many moving parts. But with blockchain, it's like every exchange of information has to be verified by the all of the computers on the network. So at any one point in time, anyone that's on that network can see that transaction happening in real time. So it's just like, oh, if I want to know, like, when it's on its way, where the fuck it is. Oh, well, right now it's in the Congo or whatever. And it's like on its way. Um, so that's like one use case. Supply chain management's a big one. The other ones, the other one that I think of is like uh title. So like property. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so like, if you think about like how ridiculous, cause we haven't had to really work with this too much cause we're like 25. Mm-hmm. But if you think about how, um, bad record keeping is for like your uh, real estate, or if you're like trying to figure out, fi- trying to figure out who the fuck owns this land. Not only the land, but like the mineral rights and shit to the land. And you have like percentage of a percentage of a percentage of ownership that gets split out over the family and shit. That's the kind of shit that like blockchain blockchain is perfect for because. Um, after each transaction, maybe you have like, you know, a set of parties that uh, has to agree to the transactions in order, or the information to be exchanged before anything goes through. Um, you say, okay, you have 37%, I have 33%, you have 20% or whatever it is, 30%. And um, every change that happens, it's reflected in everybody's computer at the same fucking time. You know what I mean? So instead of being like, well, this thing happened in 2006 and I have it that I have this much. And they're like, no, 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 you're (laughs) forgetting this shit. Um, Everybody is on the same system. So you don't have to fucking argue about that. You're looking at the same stuff at the same time. Um, So title's another huge one. And like, there's one that's like really fucking dumb. It's called uh, CryptoKitties and it's on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, 
And so it's an application where you like pay like a little bit of coin of Ethereum and you get this like digital asset cat thing, right? And it's like a little goofy fucking cat that has a goofy face on it and you know uh, uh, an individualized like fur pattern and smile and eyes just like a jpeg that shows up in your email like Uh, it's yeah it's a digital yeah i guess i don't know how it actually works because i haven't really done much research on it because i do think it's silly but what you do is like you can't fucking hack that cat and change it right because it's on the blockchain and that's like your digital asset you have the private key to that cat (laughs) And so you can bring that cat to like other people's cats and fucking breed with them and then like try to get like uh, like your cats to like be in this new I don't know. It's like this weird thing. Fucking blockchain Pokemon. Yeah, it's it's basically like level point oh oh one of like a decentralized application where it's kind of like worthless, but people on the internet love it. They're just like, "Oh yeah, cool. Well, you know, I'll pay for Trade crypto cats. kitties and shit." Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, it's like it's like having trading cards, but on the blockchain. And so, I think I think the use cases are abundant. They're abundant, but they're not like limitless. Like, there's a lot of things where maybe blockchain. Like, I don't think social media is something that I imagine blockchain taking over. You know what I mean? Yeah, and let me let me go ahead and just interject here because we've we've talked a good bit. And you've given a lot of information, but I where I am starting to get confused now is in my mind I was thinking that these use cases outside of money were just simply using blockchain technology to uh, control their ledgers, which I think is true. But mm-hmm. when you say that these kitties are on the Ethereum blockchain, <laughs> does that mean they're like inextricably tied up with Ethereum currency like what I what I'm really asking is like is it possible to have blockchains that are doing things outside of in outside of any sort of monetary like exchange they're not connected to like they're not they're they're not connected to Bitcoin Ethereum Litecoin those things they're they're just using the technology in a different way because it sounds like they are still tied up in the currency somehow. Like I'm, I'm confused. So it's like anybody that that is on the network can theoretically create any sort of like application or protocol. They can code their own shit on top of the network. Right. That's like blockchains open source, right? And you yes. can take a fork of it and then start your own chain from that new code base, right? Yes. Yes. Now, when you start your own shit, it's up to the world to recognize whether or not that shit's valuable or not, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's kind of like this merit meritocracy kind of thing because if you're like, look, this is how it was, but I'm going to make this change and these are the flaws that I see and this is how I fixed it on my protocol. If people are like, well, fuck yeah, then they can go to that. And now yours, your fork or protocol or whatever you want to call it that you coded now starts gaining value purely by the cap, like the social capital, like people wanting to be involved in that protocol as opposed to the other protocol. So when you see people saying like, oh, well, Bitcoin's like the most powerful and dominant, it's because its protocol is so like fundamentally kind of sound. 
yeah. that people don't want to just up and leave it to the next thing because the other things are kind of unproven. And um, so, so yes, theoretically, yeah, you can you can code your own shit on it, and maybe the protocol that you code in says, hey, um, if you transact one traditional Bitcoin to me, I give you these things in return or something, right? Um, so you can make it where it's like that, or you could just make it where you have an app and maybe it just is an exchange of information and people can yes. and use I, it and like that. And that's my question. Like if that kitty thing blew up and suddenly people all over the world were trading cats and breeding them, making that piece of blockchain tech code just popular, that isn't necessarily going to like increase the value of Ethereum, right? It just means that there's this popular app that runs on blockchain, right? Yeah, I don't think it is one for one. I think it indirectly does. Okay. Be- because of network effect. Because if you have more people that are like, well, fuck, I want to like be on the Ethereum blockchain so that I can do this, you're inherently going to not only value the app that you're using on the Ethereum network, but the Ethereum network itself. Right. Yeah, man, it's super interesting. I mean, I was just, to prepare for the show, I was looking, I just typed in very generically like blockchain news and I was looking down the list of articles and it was basically just like um, Swiss bank accounts going to get fucked up by blockchain, Samsung (laughs) looking into blockchain, how government might try to use blockchain for this and blockchain for that. And it just became very apparent to me that there's all these different directions outside of currencies that uh, blockchain is headed in. And these are sort of what we talk about when we say things like use cases. And now what you're telling me from this indirect network effect is how what I'm sort of gathering is even if there is a there's blockchain technology that blows up um, and, and the primary use of it isn't money, if it's blowing up and people are on it, it's going to indirectly make the currency that that blockchain like builds kind of more valuable. Is that kind of correct? Yeah, I mean, you could just think of blockchain as just, like, the internet, yeah. right? Like, what is the value of the internet? You know, like, who, what, who fucking knows? But the fact that people at first kind of were like, oh, this is interesting. I can, you know, interact with people and stuff, and I can send an email. Oh, that's cool. Well, at that point in time, you can't, like, necessarily say that the internet was worth this much or was, like, this valuable, but as more and more people grow on it or, like, are using it, there is this inherent, like, rising of all tides that is uh, associated with everything that is used on it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really just the the, the common sort of, or I guess uh, wording that's put around it is it's like Internet 2.0. And I think that's true. But it's not Internet 2.0 in that I think... Like the internet is the all-encompassing everything that we know it is right now, but blockchain is kind of like a subsect of that because I think that there's still, like I was saying, like I don't think social media is something where it makes sense to make an, a blockchain app for it. Because if you think about it, it's like, okay, so blockchain is this network where every computer has to verify every exchange of information or transaction yeah, that happens on it. be way too much. So it's like if I if every fucking like that I had or every message that I sent or every fucking poke that I poked yeah. had to be verified by every other computer 
for all people that are on the fucking internet. Like That's that doesn't insane. that doesn't really make sense necessarily, at least not as it exists right now, to do right. that in a blockchain app. But there's still a lot of other ways to think about it. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, I'm excited to keep talking about it. It really does sound like that the ultimate promise in the technology is just its security in, in the history of ver- like in verifying its of the history of transactions. And that seems to just be like what at the core is being pushed as why it matters. Um, mm-hmm. And if it's something that it's it's kind of hard to believe anybody that tells you, hey, I have something that's like 100 percent foolproof. But if a lot of people say believe that that's the case, then we will end up treating it as such anyways, you know? So yeah, it's it, I, weird. I don't think it's like a hundred percent foolproof in that. Like, like it can be hacked. Nobody has found a way to hack it, <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, we've got to figure out like it's, it's primarily based around encryption, which when quantum computers and shit come around, quantum computers are primarily built for decrypting shit. And so, we're going to have to have like a whole new wave of like quantum proofed blockchain in probably, I don't know, five years because quantum computing is going to fucking change the game as far as encryption goes. Um, the, the last thing I'll, I'll sign off with is I learned recently that like Bitcoin solves this sort of like problem that fundamentally was unable to be solved before, which is it's called like the Byzantine generals dilemma and i don't know if you've heard of that but l- like everybody that sounds listening, like an international rela- uh, relations concept honestly we talk <laughs> yeah. about the prisoner's dilemma all the time might be similar yeah it's kind of like a game theory thing uh okay. but everybody that's listening look it up it's pretty cool it solves that problem which is basically just the relay of information and having bad actors in the system and, and quelling that shit so yeah nice all right man thank you uh for waxing poetic with me hunter let's take a quick break we will be right back if you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. We're back. Halftime is complete. It is still just Hunter and myself. Max, nice knowing you. Hunter, what are you thinking about the beer, man? As I said, I came in biased. I came in biased. I don't know if it's my favorite IPA. It's probably top three as far as, like, it's a default for me. You know, I go to a bar, especially in Houston, it's probably going to be there. And it's like, if I'm looking at the tabs and I'm not really liking what I'm seeing, I'm like, just give me an art car, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just like, it's 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 hoppy, but it's not super hoppy. And it's slightly bitter, but it's not super bitter. And I can taste the alcohol, but it's not heavy. It's not a heavy-bodied beer. So I think it's just that it's like, it balances the different sort of pillars of what I think an IPA are like what it takes to make a good IPA. I think it balances it very like, um, I don't know, tastefully. Nice. Yeah. I don't think I've ever really had it. I never actually drank a whole lot of 
St. Arnold's while I was down there in Houston, even though everything I had by them I liked. Um, but yeah, I mean they're like a Houston staple, so yeah, yeah. But it's good shit. Good shit. All right, Hunter. I know you've got a little something juicy for us to bite into, so <laughs> let's go ahead and start a conversation, Peach. And I want you to tell me what you're bringing. Okay, let's do a conversation, Peach. Oh, check it out. There's a conversation, Peach. The 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 thing that I'm reading right now, Blake Bowen was like, "Hey, man, I've got this book, uh, *Sapiens*, that um, kind of describes." humanity and everything that humanity's like gone through from being a single cellular organism all the way up until like where we're at right now. I was like, that's fucking dope. Yeah. He's like all encompassing. Yeah. And he was like, but there's this second book called Homo Deus, which is basically everything from where we're at going forward. And he's like, this shit is right up your alley, dude. And so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. This is future boner territory. And so I'm like, you know, 20 pages in and they start talking about nanobots and fucking Aubrey Dude. Gray and Ray Kurzweil. And unfortunately, they backed off on that shit like really early. So I've actually like gotten the rerun of all the way back from like agricultural society and shit right now. Right. But where they're at right now, after going to agricultural society, they're also talking about like farming and food and shit. And they start talking about, like, the sentience of animals. And then, like, what is consciousness? What is the mind? And so they're breaking down that it is very difficult to try and ascertain what the fuck is the mind. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have a philosophical string in your heart that you like to pluck every once in a while. Oh, yeah. I want to hear your... noodle on it. I want to hear your deep cuts, your first takes on just break down like your concept of the mind can i do consciousness instead like sure sure okay so for me i think they're linked yeah consciousness is is the way that i um read the way that i saw it put recently that i thought stuck really well and i'm not going to remember it exactly was essentially like the the sensation of like being aware of yourself sort of inside of yourself right yeah from the perspective of inside your body Mm -hmm. and i've done i've listened to a lot of speakers who talk about how like kind of easy it is to fuck with consciousness in the sense that like you can do these tests and experiments where you have two people wearing vr goggles and they're seeing what the other person is seeing and the other person starts like touching their body and it very much feels like you're touching your body there, even though you're not. And you get all these like phantom sensations because consciousness is so tied up in basically like where your eyes are and what your eyes see. And when your brain is receiving information from eyes that aren't your own, it still feels like they are your own. Mm-hmm. And consciousness is weird because I used to get into discussions with our friend Stephen Shivana about the self and ego and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, but I mean, like, where did you stop and truly start? Like, are you also your fingers and your toes and your hands? Are you the breath inside of your lungs? And like, you can kind of really start to branch out from just this localized sensation of being behind your eyes, which is, I think, where a lot of consciousness, uh, the ideas of it, like, begin from emanate yeah yeah and like 
I mean, I think it's I think it is an interesting way of trying to use animals because I think you're going to be hard pressed in today's society to find people that truly believe that dogs and even cats are just like formulaic algorithms of beings yeah that like there that there's nothing going on up there besides impulse right yeah because sensory reaction because people have fucking relationships with dogs and they have relationships with cats and they have relationships with other animals and shit too and so it's like I think a lot of I think there's this like the what the book is making out is that there's there's this branch of of people that really believe that basically you can only prove that you are conscious you can't prove or you can't even prove that you're conscious you can just you know you're conscious and there's no way to prove that any other thing in the world is conscious and that um with animals in particular they believe that you know animals are basically just formulaic algorithms of impulse and that from moment to moment they're doing they're not thinking about what they're doing they're just doing it um and so do they make a distinction between us and animals in the sense that they say we are not formulaic because we have like a free will or something is that what they start to get at yeah and that's the the kind of tough thing well there's there's way more questions than there are answers um that he's making because i don't know i guess i i kind of have this sneaking suspicion that consciousness isn't like a light switch that it's more of like a a, 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 a gradient, you know, that there's like different frequencies of consciousness and that we are just on a different level or a different frequency of consciousness than like a fucking bug or something. Right. Um, and so I, it doesn't really make any like firm, like people always try and think of ways to put it like, oh, being aware of oneself, right? Like, oh, I think of myself and... I can acknowledge myself, but like, if you think of dogs, like the, the analogy they make is like, if a dog goes to like a bush and it smells its own urine, it's not like setting off alarms like, oh, what the fuck is this? It's a dog. But if it smells like the dog down the street or other dogs, even though it may not have like, oh, I'm Rusty the dog, it still recognizes itself and it doesn't like freak out or have any sort of like crazy outbursts against itself. So I don't know, man, I haven't really, and then moving even that into like what the mind is because the mind is crazy because I think everything that we talk about that the mind does is ends up being something that really the brain does. Um, Yeah. I was just going to say, isn't the mind just the brain? Yes, but isn't it, I mean, in, in a metaphysical sense, when you say like, oh, like my mind is wandering or like I'm in a weird mindset, right? To me, like, that's just your train of thought. And what I define a train of thought as is like a particular set of neural pathways that are currently active. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, um, and this, this happens with like memory and stuff. Like whenever you get, whenever you have like a new sensation for the first time, your bot, your brain will give you a blast of dopamine and at that point in time, all the neural pathways um, that are active 
get that blast of dopamine and it strengthens all those neural pathways. Mm-hmm. So the next time that your eyes and ears and nose or whatever register the same exact sensation, that then your brain will um, default to those neural pathways that have been strengthened with dopamine and it'll put you in that same mindset that you were when you had it originally. Right. Yeah, the um, myelin sheath. Yeah. <laughs> um, one. So a couple of the posits that this book actually does make is that he says, basically, if, if you believe in evolution or you believe that evolution is a real thing, then you don't believe in the soul. Um, and that, and the, what does you know, he base used, that off of? He uses various mean? things. It's, it's basically the idea that, like, if you believe that we are just a conglomeration of cells and bacteria and that we're kind of always changing then you kind of acknowledge that you're not like we have this sense of self or like individualism this idea that like i am this person that cannot be divided and that like i am the same person even though i change over time but I mean, his positive is kind of like, that's not necessarily true. Like, you're almost fundamentally a different person as you change over time. Um, and, and, and like, I guess his idea of the soul is like the encompassing of the idea that like, oh, I have this like sense of self that I am that like doesn't change. Um, but he's like, but you're constantly fucking changing. I think that's his kind of idea. Um, hmm. that's weird. And yeah, so I don't know. I he has a couple of other ones, but I just, I think it's just weird for me to try and like separate what I am thinking and like what I'm um like the metaphysics of what I'm actually going through versus what's physically happening. What are because the meta what are metaphysics to you, Hunter? Like something that's not tangible, I guess. Like something that is in indubitable. Like it is undoubtedly real, but it's something that I can't explain by virtue of like a physical process, like ideas, or, yeah, or a thought, right? Like, right. Even though you can explain all of the fundamental chemicals and fucking yeah, like the neural pathways and shit, all that stuff that's going on it doesn't necessarily mean that you understand what a thought is. Like he was talking about how, when you think of traffic, it's like, yes, traffic is like this one car moving in a certain way that inflects another car. And then this other car gets inflected by that. And so now this this whole thing that's going on, but there's not this like overall traffic consciousness or something that develops because of all of these different movements that are individually happening by all these players. And I think that's what's interesting is like you have all of these little things, these physical processes that are going on, but for some reason there is this sort of like string that's drawn between all of it that makes like the idea of consciousness, like going through time, thinking things, you know, like having a individualized self. So I don't know. I just think that's, it's cool. And I'm hoping I I learn more about it and get more into it. Yeah, right on. I mean, I recently, for the first time, started listening to people who um, preach that there is no such thing as free will, and they basically do say that we are all just fucking algorithms that react to our senses, 
and they just simply say that everything that we can't explain now, if we could explain it to like the exact degree, would we say that we had free will anymore in the sense that we're sort of going about our daily lives, not even thinking about the decisions that we make to suddenly like stand up and go get a drink out of the fridge and things like that. And that 20 years, 40 years, a hundred years from now, we might actually know, Oh, well, like when the sun sends out these specific rays, people actually become more like thirsty and want to read or something. And the Mm -hmm. more you can kind of piece together this all encompassing structure for how the universe works will end up just like defining free will out of the the picture. Um, And it's something that like theoretically I understand, but I also just like, I'm not on board with it. Like it's not something (laughs) that like I've adopted now, but I am listening to it for the first time and it's, it's interesting, but yep. Interesting. Um, Interesting thing to bring to the show, something to think about, and maybe we can touch on later if the uh, the audience digs it. But Hunter, let's hop into the mailbag and answer some emails. Come get your mail. All right. Dooney Ray, coming in hot. He says, tell us about the moments of respite you appreciate at work. An example would be walking into an empty break room or anything like that. Personally, <laughs> he says, anytime I hit the bathroom and it's empty, I breathe a sigh of relief. I think that's that's got to be universal, right? That's a pretty good one. I mean, I'll sometimes I walk into a bathroom, and if there's like people in the stalls already, I just turn around, walk the fuck out. No way. <laughs> it depends on which stalls, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, I, I, I actually really like the people that I work with, um, so I don't think that I yearn for the respites a lot. Um, I kind of like make a personal sort of like solitude or like take a step away. Yeah, when I'm going to the bathroom, but also like whenever I go and get like, I'll go get a cup, big cup of water and a coffee. And like, I like take my time, like make it the way I want to kind of like, just like, you know, let myself have a little bit of time, step back. And then when I go back, ready to go, you know, I think right. just having little moments like that. Yeah, I take walks all the time. Like, I'll just leave the building and go walk into the parking lot and then just go stare out at some of the, like, the views that we have. But um, <laughs> I know personally, like, when a fucking meeting gets canceled, that's just the best. Because then it's just like, in that hour, I'm like, oh, God, I don't have to be on that. I don't have to run this meeting anymore. This is fantastic. Those are some, like, whenever just randomly you get an email from the boss, and he's like, I'm canceling this because of a conflict, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, yes. Fuck yes. I can dig those. Yes, Okay. Sir. Dunter Horse said, which would be more preferable to be locked in a room with a poisonous snake or to encounter a non-poisonous yet very ferocious cat in the wild? Forever and always, I believe in the restorative power of the nanobots, Horset. Um, that wasn't a succinct sign off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, what's weird is, yes, I fully acknowledge that a cat, like a wild fucking large cat, is a ferocious animal. That being said, like cats don't give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. You know? Like they don't they don't it's very superficial the fear that I get from a cat. Like I think it would be like, oh fuck, like I better not move, right? Like I better not do something to fuck this cat or piss this cat off. But like with a snake and I'm like locked in a room with it, that's like a whole every move you're considering. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole... It's just a matrix of action. I think that's just a different level of like... 
And like, I'm actually not that crazy afraid of snakes, but like a poisonous snake that's like, I don't know. I, I guess I still hold some sort of reserve that like with a cat, maybe somehow I can outsmart it. Or, like, maybe I can, like, do something where I can get away. I can imagine myself kind of coming up with some bullshit way of surviving that. But with, like, a snake, where it's like, I'm not going to get behind this motherfucker. Like, it's always going to be yeah. able to turn around. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I think I would just be more inner, like, you can't, deep down You can't afraid. judge the range that a snake has, either. You might think you're in the safe zone, but it might just be able to lunge at you. And, like, I always have this romantic notion with dogs, and I'll, I'll put it to cats, too, that if, like, <laughs> one was charging me, I want to think that I'd be able to anticipate it and just fucking boot it in the yeah, face. Yeah, just, just kick the <laughs> shit out of it. Yeah. And that would have to, like, at least slow it down. And even if it doesn't, if that thing like gets up on my leg and just fucking scratches me up, tears my skin up a little bit, it's going to be horribly painful. It's going to be a flash of pain, but I'd much rather go through that kind of pain than to be like bitten by a venomous snake and then have my fucking like organs start to shut down. Yeah, like boiling from like the that. fucking inside. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just laying on a stretcher like paralyzed until they can give me the anecdote. <laughs> Fuck that. So I think I would be more afraid of the snake. Yeah, so I, I would yeah I would go after the cat. I'd want the cat situation. All right. Well, we got a couple more questions that are uh, fighting game related, so I'll wait till Max Scott gets back on because there's some insight in here I want to hear from him. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap up the mailbag. And then, Hunter, we know that you love this beer, but to, to round the show out, I got to get the gesture because the gesture has become your calling card reviewing. And when you come up on an old friend like the art car, what are you, what are you throwing this guy's way? It's like a very per, like deliberate smirk and kind of a narrowing of the eyes. It's like a yeah. It's like a this, it's like obviously, you know, like yeah, like this fucking guy. <laughs> what's what's he about to say? <laughs> well, no, like if somebody's like, "Hey, my man. Hey, man. This shit's good." Or like, "Good to see you, dude." You're like, "Of course." You know? Yeah, dude. Don't even have to say yeah. it. Come here and give me a hug. <laughs> Bring it home. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's just, just very, very welcome. A very welcome beer in my household. Right on. And let me, and let me ask, you're about to be heading your way to LA, right? Yeah. Beginning of May. Um, I might be able to hang out with Max, uh, and Israel for one night, maybe for Texas, uh, showdown or whatever the fuck it is. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the day after that, heading up to L.A. on like the fifth, I think. And what's the what, what's the plans, man? What are you gonna see? Like, what what are you what are you doing in L.A.? So, there's a couple of museums that Mandy yeah. wants to see. Is the Brooch yeah. one of them? There's so many good museums up there, dude. So so we're gonna do that. Um, I think she wants to go parasailing. Okay, sick. So we we're thinking about doing that. Um. We have like a couple of just touristy fucking things. Like we might get rollerblades and go down Venice Beach or some shit. You definitely should. Yeah, go see Santa Monica. Go see Venice Beach. Do because we're gonna shit. stay in Santa Monica for like two or three days. Like half the time we're there. All right. Yeah. And then yeah, Darian's been down there. And then yeah, we'll we'll see. I think we want to like. I want to keep it on the not as like overtly active side. Like I want it to mm-hmm. be truly a vacation. 
Yeah, I want to relax. So I want to have like hang out on the beach, a smoke a J. <laughs> yeah, I want to have like a solid like, you know, maybe one, tops two things planned a day, but then also just fucking enjoy myself. Like that's my my vacation is up here, not out here, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm going for. That makes sense. So yeah, you just like you just picked LA because haven't been there before. And Mandy just had cool a random itch for it. I don't know why. Um, I think she hasn't been to LA, and I think she's really stoked on just the idea of having fucking fantastic weather. And she's just been like mm-hmm. reading articles and blogs and shit of people doing shit in LA that has been interesting to her and she just wanted to check it out. So I was like, well, yeah, I'll be interested to hear what you think, man. LA kind of reminded me a lot of Houston in the sense that you've got this main downtown area and then the, just this massive sprawl of city around it. It's very big, very spread out. Uh, of course there's fucking amazing restaurants. So you can really have some amazing food out there. Uh, but yeah, the museums are great, and then you got the beaches are relaxing. So I'll be interested to hear uh, what you think whenever you get be- get back. But that brings us to the end of episode number one hundred and forty nine of Witty Banter. I have been one of your hosts, Chase, joined by, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Hunter Dorsett. We're getting out of here, but if you want to keep up with us when we're not on the microphones, you can go and follow us on Twitter. We are at Witty Banter Show, and you can also go to our website, wittybantershow.com, to get all of our episodes or You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and hit subscribe. All of those episodes will show up in your download queue for free when they post on Friday morning. Hunter, it's been a joy, man. I will see you next time. Same to you, brother. Beto, beto, beto. Beto, beto.